Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast and media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar swords and skillies. I'm your host, Lid Milanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Angron, Lucky Evie, Math Machine, and Jordan. Today is our 38th episode, and, th- and we're discussing 2002's Reign of Fire, so let's get things started. Now, the interesting thing about this movie is that this movie was made by Touchstone Pictures and Buena Vista Pictures, meaning that this is, of course, technically a Disney movie. Yep. The other interesting yeah. thing is that the dragons in this movie are we'll as we'll sorry as we'll learn later on the dragonists in this movie were animated by the uh, secret lab who also did the animation on the 2000 movie Dinosaur, which we're going to talk about the podcast at a later date, and it's a really underrated Disney movie in my opinion. Sadly, this was the last movie that the secret lab would work on before they were shut down completely, mm-hmm. and this movie also stars uh, Christian Bale. Uh, long before he would be best known for playing Batman. And for those of you keeping score at home, this is the second week in a row we have a media piece that has Batman fighting dragonesses. Uh, Yeah, just had to make that little connection. But yeah, Uh, the movie begins in London where a young boy named Quinn goes to a construction site and he goes down to the elevator to the uh, dig site where they're working on a subway tunnel. Uh, It turns out his mother is the foreman of the construction site and the workers find themselves unable to dig because they found themselves like um, in a strange void of some sort. Quinn basically goes into the area and he finds himself in a set of mysterious caverns. Now the atmosphere in this part is creepy more because of how realistic it is. It really reminds me a lot of the uh, horror movie The Descent, but it's also about people going into caverns and finding, uh, you know, creatures there but this really feels a lot like that that they actually took inspiration from this particular part of the movie in general and all of a sudden a fire breaks out in the cave seemingly for no reason quinn looks up and he sees a dragon who promptly uh basically spits uh in his face and roars now all <laughs> yeah the, yeah like, hey, you're my pipe bitch <laughs> now, now, all of the dragons in this movie, as we find out later on, are female, except for seemingly one, and we'll get to that seemingly a little bit, but the CGI for the dragon, it looks really good for 2002, especially considering this at the same time as the infamous, like, a uh, Scorpion King and whatnot, so the CGI could have looked a lot worse than this, and oh, I think, in general, the dragon designs, and we'll get more to them in a little bit, but I really like how imposing uh, they are, and how, again, uh, realistic they are, and we'll get to that again in a little bit, but uh, Quinn tries to warn uh, the workers that there's something down there, but no one listens to him. Two of the construction workers go to see what happens, but they're incinerated, and then uh, yeah. Quinn and his mother, they get in the elevator to get to land, uh, but the flame keeps chasing them upwards in a really, really tense sequence. It, it reminds me a lot of in like uh, Jaws when Quinn was in like the uh, shark, not Quinn, sorry, when uh, Richard Dreyfus I think, was in like the uh, shark tank. That's what it reminded me a lot of uh, with the framing yeah. of it. It also so, yeah, reminds uh, me a bit of Aliens. Like they're in the elevator. I could see that. I very much could see that, the influence yeah. of that. 
because yeah. it's dragons, not aliens. Yeah, Which, of course. Honestly, it's, it's, I'll take dragons over aliens any day because oh at least yeah, dragons, way better than xenomorphs. A whole lot better. <laughs> yeah, way better than the xenomorphs. Let's do it that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah a lot, you know, a lot more reasonable. Let's do it that way. But there's a the dragon ends up uh, swooping and tackles the elevator. There's a really really cool shot of the dragon's eye just peering at them through the bars with like evil intent. And it turns out uh, Quinn's mother is killed because she basically was uh, lacerated by the claws of the uh, of the dragon. And the shot of her like lying there with the claw marks on her face is really impactful. We then get to hear narration from an adult Quinn when we find out that the uh, dragonesses raise society. Uh, basically, yeah. uh, they they millions of them were born at once. They basically uh, took over and destroyed everything. The implication that the dragonesses actually killed the dinosaurs is a very interesting one. They yeah. they don't yeah, follow it's up with it. Honestly, a little course, believable, all things considered. Definitely, definitely. And in order to stop the dragonesses, uh, the global government basically did the stupidest thing they could do. They used uh, nuclear warheads, which of course only made things worse. And one thing about the uh, depiction of the uh, dragonesses in this movie, because again, uh, they are the main antagonists of this. Uh, they're very uh, haunting in a way. You know, they mm. can't be reasoned with. They can't. They don't have like emotion. They don't have like uh, like any sort of feeling. We're not describing the Terminator here. We're describing these dragonesses. But they're <laughs> just creatures that bring death and destruction and fire to anywhere they go. They're not even really like. I guess they're like wild animals, but in a way, they're more than that because they just want to destroy things. They just want to burn and you know and consume. That's all that they really care about. And it turns out that mm. with the human population going down, the dragonesses are also starving, leading to them becoming a lot more aggressive. And now we cut to the uh, future, where we see Quinn working with a group of so survivors, basically to continue living. And uh, Christian Bale does a really good job as Quinn. This is, again, one of his uh, earlier roles, and he does a really good job. He makes him feel like a realistic, uh, shell-shocked man who's trying basically to do the best to survive in this completely broken, post-apocalyptic landscape. Yeah, it turns out that one of the survivors, Eddie, has gone completely insane, and we found out from a title card that this movie takes place in 2020, which... Uh, unfortunately, 2020 did have a disaster source, but it was not Dragonesses, so boo. But yeah, Quinn <laughs> then runs in to stop Eddie, who basically wants to go to the fields and just dig up their food. Eddie believes that everything is useless, and they should just uh, give up because, well, the Dragons. world is completely ruined and is, is tattered. There's no government, there's no infrastructure. The world, for better or worse, has been, or for worse in this case, has been brought back down to the Dark Ages. And, by dragons. Of course, by dragons. Another very good point. But yeah, uh, Quinn then meets up with his friend Creedy, who is played by uh, Gerald Butler, which means that we have Batman and King Leonidas fighting dinos fighting uh, dragonesses. Or Batman and Stoic, if we want to get technical. <laughs> even better. Even better reference, right. <laughs> and then we get... And then we get a, a nice... Probably one of the only intentionally comical sequences of this movie... We see a Quinn and Creedy recreate the Empire Strikes Back to entertain the children, which <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest, this little scene right here is probably the best thing Disney has done with the Star Wars franchise. Oh, heck yes. It's it's honestly very, it was honestly very interesting to see that because like in a future where like screens and whatnot have ultimately gone to the wayside, it was very interesting to see like people keeping the classics quote unquote alive with yeah. like that level of like uh 
uh, you know, yeah, exactly. And they also uh, mentioned theatrics. That, yeah, and they also mentioned that they're going to recreate like a Lion King next and stuff like that. Which it reminds Dang. me a lot. I don't know if you guys remember this, the uh, Kevin Costner movie, The Postman. It kind of had something similar with him being like a wanderer who basically does like a Shakespearean plays all by himself before the main plot happens. The movie kind of goes off a cliff from there, but that part was pretty interesting. But one thing that is also interesting about this sequence is just the way the children act is just really heartbreaking. This is the only yeah. world that they've ever known. They have to live in constant fear. Their prayer at night is basically like, you know, we all, you know, must always watch the sky, always sleep with one yeah. eye open. You know, it's like it, you really feel that the world is completely devastated. I feel like this in particular is a more impactful, like a post-apocalyptic thing. I'm going to be honest, then that's something like Mad Max. At least Mad Max doesn't really like dwell on it. At least the first few ones, Fury Road did, but that's different. But I feel like eh. this, you actually feel like you get the impact of like, like the world is ruined. Like, like there is no hope. There, there is nothing to look forward to. There, there is like, there's not even going to be like, you know, another civilization like Planet of the Apes or anything because it's just, it's over. It's done. And yeah. we're done, man. Game over, man. <laughs> Uh, if only he was in this movie bill bill paxton makes anything better but yeah uh eddie and his group basically sneak off to get the crops while quinn is asleep uh quinn is woken up uh who warns him about uh the dragon breath but quinn shrugs it off and goes back to sleep uh eddie's group then makes it to the crops and they start to like pick tomatoes and whatnot before they notice that the dragonesses are arriving and the build-up to the attack is really good because when they realize that it's coming Everybody just instantly gets out of bed. They instantly like scramble to try to deal with it the best they could. And th there's actually a really good cinematic shot in this where we get to see the dragoness is in the background while they're busy like, you know, picking the crops. You can actually see the dragoness flying by the mountain and that. And it looks really, really good. And it's very foreboding as well. Mm. And then we get to see the dragoness uh, actually attack for the first time. And she kills uh, several of uh, Eddie's fellow uh, survivors. And one thing I also like about this movie, how they did the uh, roars of the dragonesses. They sound almost like demonic and whatnot. It makes them sound way creepier. You know, it's not mm. just like, you know, for example, something like uh, using like a lion's roar or something like that, or even like uh, in Jurassic Park. This, the way they distorted it in just a certain way, it makes them sound almost like demonic. But yeah, uh, Quinn and... Uh, Quinn, Creedy, and uh, the others, they basically save Eddie and the survivors, but they lose uh, a lot of their crops, which means that hard times are ahead. And yeah. speaking of Mad Max, the makeshift fire trucks they're in and the like flame uh, retardant suits they have, it really reminds me of uh, Mad Max. Yeah, kind of like, does, honestly. Yeah. And again, with the uh, dragon, this is the first time I think we get like a close-up shot of them in like the direct light not like in the uh, beginning section in the cavern where we just get like brief uh, glimpses of it uh they have a really good design like it's really realistic and again the it's tr it's a traditional design but it's also a very fierce and imposing one and like the, the lack of all color on them it really suits like the bleak tone of the movie very well yeah. in my opinion that you know that these aren't dragons that you can even like, you know, talk to like Smaug or something. They just want you dead and they want to like, like eat your ashes and that. So then yeah. the dragoness then destroys one of the uh, fire trucks as the other two are forced to retreat in a really neat action sequence. Again, like I said, this movie, when it does things right, it really does things right. And this is one of the times of this movie 
where I feel it really worked out for the best that the fire trucks are trying to basically uh, desperately get away. And it turns out that the dragonesses, they don't care about the humans at all. It just <clears> wants like the ash of the field to rest in that and that the humans are basically in their way, which brings a really different tone to the movie altogether. Mm. That, you know, they don't want, you know, they don't, they're not deliberately trying to exterminate all humans. They're just in the way. It's like, they're, they're just yeah. like an annoyance at best, which. Yeah, really, it's like God, uh, it's like uh, the, God, it's like the monster versus Godzilla, basically. Like, he's not doing anything intentionally bad. They're just there, you know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and we find out that uh, Quinn and Creedy have a quiet conversation while drinking, like, the uh, last of the liquor and that. Quinn really feels for Eddie, and it turns out that Eddie has lost his son in the Dragoness's attack, which explains a lot about why he feels there is no hope. And then Quinn almost gives into despair as well. There's no way they can go on, especially with, like, the loss of crops and that. And, again, there's no infrastructure, there's no government, there's no, like, any Nothing. technology or anything like that. Humanity, again... Yeah. It really is like a bleak movie. I guess the best way I could describe it is kind of like the movie The Day After, but with dragons in a way. It really does feel like that at times. Like, mm. this is the end of civilization as we know it. Don't I don't really know what that movie is, but... It's a movie about like a... Uh, it's basically a movie about uh, the, the end of the world through nukes, basically. But uh, yeah, okay. it, but yeah, uh, I do like, again... The, uh, the newspaper montage, it's a really clever way on how to get exposition on how the world became the way it is now with like little fleeting uh, sound bites of news reports as well saying that how the dragons basically came and they took over and that and how Quinn was the only survivor of the very first dragon attack, let's say. And even yeah. like in the clip, you see him like as a normal kid, then you see him like burnt up and it's like, ooh, God, you really got to feel as like what these creatures have done to the world as a whole. But then we get uh, something very interesting. Uh, the survivor that's in charge of the uh, radio mentions that he, he has heard a broadcast for the first time in, like, ages. And it's to the point where the others basically make fun of him for it, like, you know, for actually hearing things. But it turns out it's a group of tanks uh, are arriving to the area, and the survivors have no idea what to do. They're planning for an attack, for, like, the attack, but you can tell right away. They are very clearly uh, outgunned and outnumbered by these tanks. And yeah. we get a really good line again from uh, Creedy in this, you know, there's only one thing worse than a dragon, Americans, which <laughs> is uh, a good joke. And you yeah. find out that the tanks are led by a group of uh, American soldiers led by Van Zan, not Van Dam, although that <laughs> would have been a very interesting movie. I keep hearing it every time I hear his name. <laughs> he could have done the splits between two tanks. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Van Zandt is played by Matthew McConaughey, who I'm sure all of us know for that cinematic classic, that all-time titan of movies, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. That that or is sing. like, or, or sing, yeah. Though those I think are the two movies that, if you mm. say the words Matthew McConaughey, those are the two movies that come to mind. Yeah, the two good movies, anyway. <laughs> I don't know about his other movies. I've seen Dark Tower. I liked it, but. Yeah. I don't know about the rest. Anyways, thing yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But yeah, uh, but anyway, uh, that's right. It's all good. It's all good. But yeah, uh, Van Zandt demands to find out who's in charge, which leads uh, Quinn to uh, talk to him. It turns out that Van Zandt was part of a National Guard and that Quinn uh, doesn't believe any of his stories. He thinks they're just there to try and take resources, which uh, Van Zandt then uh, reveals that he actually managed to kill one of the dragonesses and he has its tooth as like a souvenir. And it turns out the dragonesses have a very interesting weakness. 
they can't see well like during dusk or dawn it's like at, at like perfect night it, you know they they can see fine during the day they can see fine it's like that little window of time their eyes get weaker which meant that how they were able to take them down quinn still doesn't trust them at all but he allows them to have shelter in that and one thing I do like as well is Queedy and Crin's argument about letting the soldiers in. It feels very realistic. And then we get to see something that completely shocks all of them is a helicopter because basically since the dragons have, took it, have taken over, uh, the world has belonged to them, but especially the sky. You know, there, there's been no planes, no helicopters, no air travel of any kind. Oh, so for a helicopter to still be functioning is something that like, is completely out of the blue, especially for them. The helicopter yeah. is revealed to contain Alex, who is the group's pilot and intelligence officer. And the other men in the helicopter, uh, they're basically uh, pawns that are sent out to die when they go after the uh, dragonesses in that. Yeah, they're archangels, as yeah, she exactly. put it. They last 17 seconds. They're, yeah, and, and we get to also, see that sequence I, later on. And it is another, it's a really good uh, bit of world building with that to show how desperate they are that they have to have men basically, you know, willingly commit suicide just to try and deal with these things. Yeah, it's also very interesting uh, that they uh, brought up, uh, like, the Bola men from Roman times, which were also, like, uh, sacrificial uh, people meant to, like, capture or kill, you know? Exactly, exactly, yeah. And uh, Jared basically uh, remarks to her about, uh, uh, Quinn, rather, Quinn remarks on uh, Jared, who was an orphan that he had saved, Basically, his tragic backstory that he basically was an abandoned child and how they all managed to survive despite their hardship and that. We then get to see the dragoness from before. She arrives again, the one who uh, burnt the crops. The survivors then have to team up with the soldiers to take it down. And the group on the motorbikes of the soldiers, again, it reminds me a lot of Mad Max. And sadly, they did not get to go to Barter Town or the Thunderdome. <laughs> which, shame. But yeah, uh, Quinn goes basically to help the soldiers from just blindly attacking. As it turns out, one of the uh, verticals is down. And it's here, like you said, with the Archangels. Uh, three of the soldiers jump out to try and tackle the dragon nest using like the uh, net. One is killed by the fire. Another one is killed by impacting the ground. And this yep. particular kill of the second soldier, it reminded me a lot of Jurassic World. How we get to see like their vital signs on a uh, computer of sorts. Amazing that computers still uh, function in this universe, yeah. but you know, uh, this guy stretch your disbelief for that. But you just see his life also, signs and they also, go flat as he hits the ground. Excuse me. Also reminds so, me of uh, all the times people have like fallen down like from the sky to the ground and breath and tears of the kingdom or like breath yeah. of the wild. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it as well. <laughs> and the uh, and the third one is basically in uh, still in midair as they are. Uh, he uses, like, the net to try and catch the dragoness and that. Quinn then gets into their radio frequency, and uh, Van Zan uh, has a plan. He decides to use them as bait, which uh, it's a method that he clearly took from his favorite uh, SpongeBob episode. Loser. Loser. I heard this call before. Oh, I'm sure you have. Oh, boy. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Van Zan is about to uh, fire directly on the dragoness, but she burns down the tower and it's here like they do, they do a neat fake out. You think he's dead in that, but he manages to still have hit the dragoness and it kills her, 
which Quinn is completely floored about because these things have ruled the world for like the past 20 years or so. And there has been like no way that these creatures could ever be destroyed or defeated. And to see one actually die in front of him completely, you know, floors him. Yeah. We then get to see the survivors partying as, again, they finally manage to kill a dragoness after all this time of them basically ransacking, you know, their, their world in that. And Van Zan and his men arrive into the uh, castle and agree by cheers. But then we get to find out how uh, Van Zan is just so cynical. He calls the survivors very foolish and disgusting because they took down one dragoness, but he lost uh, three men. And that the dragonesses don't care that you took one down. They only care about killing you all. We then get a, and again, after this, we get a really neat shot of just Van Zan staring into the fire with like a thousand yard stare. It's a really powerful one. It shows how much, again, these people have lost in a way. How this guy yeah. has allowed himself to become like, almost like a Captain Ahab in a way. More than the actual uh, Moby Dick knockoff that has a dragoness yeah. in it that we will discuss in the podcast in the future. It's a very, uh... Very bad movie, but not like this. But yeah, yeah. it also yeah. It, he basically like is he basically skirts the line between someone who's both stable and batshit insane without being like absolutely antagonistic. Exactly, which, exactly. Yeah, it's he's very like, interesting. He, he's a he's not really a human antagonist, which I like that they did that. That you could have very easily had him be like a uh, like Dennis Hopper in Waterworld, just have him be a complete insane psycho. That only cares about, you know, his own survival and the survival of his men. But the fact that they actually chose to make him just a completely broken man in particular, it really, really works out good. Yeah. We, um, Quinn then uh, basically demands to know why Van Zan is there. And it turns out Van Zan needs Quinn. Uh, the two of them meet up with Alex back in the uh, castle. And Alex reveals that uh, most of the dragons are dragonesses, hence why we're uh, discussing this. And how they can breathe fire is like they have, uh, I believe in like their lungs, they have like an extra like a air sac that allows them to produce the fire with hydrogen in that, which, again, it feels really, I like the realism they put in this. This is like a, one of the most realistic depictions of a dragon in a film history. And I really like how they did it. They didn't make them seem like they were just, uh, well, they, they very easily could have made them just movie monsters, which they are, but they also feel like biologically real in ways that like, uh, yeah. like say some other ones don't. But then uh, it turns out uh, Van Zan asks Quinn if he knows that, and Quinn has a pretty good joke. I don't check the plumbing while I'm running for my life, which is a good yeah. one. And it's here we uh, learn how the uh, dragonesses reproduce. There is one male dragon that fertilizes all the females' eggs, kind of like uh, what happens with fish. It turns out that this male dragon is living in London, meaning that they need Quinn to go there and help them uh, kill it. And if they kill the male, then they kill the species because there's no way for them to reproduce. Obviously, they did not see Jurassic Park. Then they would have known life finds a way. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. But yeah, Van Zan needs soldiers to help them to get to London, but Quinn refuses. Uh Quinn basically says that uh Van Zan is completely insane and uh and Van Zan storms off in a fury. And we find out that Alex asks what happened to Quinn, and we get more backstory from him about what happened uh after he escaped from the uh from the what happened with the construction site. Nobody believed him in that, and when it started happening, you know, scientists had no idea what was going on before it was too late. 
Kind of like the it's whole, you know, almost he, he, like they yeah. had the answer right in front of them. But... They didn't listen. They didn't listen like the whole hubris no, of man not. kind of deal. Exactly. But yeah, uh, Van Sand then uh, basically groups the men uh, to talk to them about going after all the Dragonesses in London. He asks them um, who will volunteer, and only four people, including Eddie, step forward. And Van Sand is then forced to draft uh, more survivors under threat of death. And then we get to see something that another part of the movie that I really like, and again, about its realism, is Quinn gets in a fight with Van Zandt, and the fight between them is one of the most realistic, you know, fights I have seen in a movie. You know, there's no action music, there's no, like, you know, fully sound effects when their, you know, hits connect. It's just two, you know, completely desperate men in a completely broken world just beating the hell out of each other. They're just like, you know, you know, fighting each other on the ground, tackling each other. Everyone's watching them, but nobody knows uh, basically what to do with this. They're just yeah. two, you know, men that are, you know, trying to survive in this completely broken, shattered world. Yeah. And it really we, does we, work. Yeah, you basically got like two pretty much macho celebrities playing two different distinct roles here, one of which ultimately had to forget years of training and all that stuff, while the other, you know, didn't. So basically what you have here is a, a guy who has been hardened only by freaking hardships and uh, survival instincts, while you going up against pretty much a trained military mercenary. So I think the clear winner was set in stone from the beginning. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And of Just course, uh, Alex basically comforts Quinn on his loss and she gives him iodine to deal with the uh, the cuts he got basically from wrestling with uh, Van Zandt. And Quinn heals his wounds in another really a sequence that shows how bad he got cut up with him. And uh, Van Zandt, uh, basically, Jared uh, the Orphan, the one that uh, Quinn uh, saved. He wants to go off with uh, Van Zandt, the soldiers. Quinn uh, wants Jared to take over for the survivors uh, while he's gone. He wants him basically to be the next leader uh, when he's gone in that. We then get to see uh, Van Zandt and his men leave for London while Quinn stays behind. And then it just shows that Jared also stays behind and apologizes for being so brash, which... I don't know, it feels like that was a subplot that was meant to go somewhere, and they didn't do anything with it. It's kind of like in uh, the Tom Cruise War of the Worlds, where uh, where the son goes off to fight with the military, and then he just shows up alive at the end with no explanation. It kind of feels like that. Yeah. Also, welcome, Striker. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey there, Striker. Welcome. Uh, yeah, welcome to this episode. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, uh, Quinn then finds a dead dragoness, and one thing that's really interesting, he finds like a dragonous egg basically having gestated inside of her and he pulls it out and he just stares at it in like complete awe in that, you know, and again, it, it's not an egg like like a bird's egg or that. It's almost like a uh, like a fetus in a way. And it's something that it, it again, the realism aspect of this movie is why it works for me. And then we get to see uh, Van Zandt and his men make it to the ruins of London and then we get to see the uh, Alpha Dragon basically appears and it attacks them as their weapons do nothing to stop it. And he has a he has a more I think I guess browner scale color scale color yeah, forgive me a browner mm. scale color compared to the yeah, other dragons. Air color. Is, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, scale color. Who uh, they're more like a blues and blacks and that, and he is more like a brown reddish, which suits him well, I guess. 
because how how he is imposing he is like the uh the final boss let's say of yeah. all of the uh, dragons that exist he kills all of the soldiers with their fire except for uh van zan and alex and then we get another part of van zan just you know sitting down there and staring at like the open flames and he has another thousand yard stare just to show what he's lost is a good one then the uh basically uh the alpha dragon uh goes to the castle and he kills several survivors which means that uh Quinn's fears are right the desperation of them tr- trying to survive is again just so harrowing how they're trying to get away from this uh, thing they have no basic control over Quinn runs to the burning castle to try to save some orphans and whatnot and they all head into an underground bunker for safety but Sadly, Creedy does not make it. He is killed by the dragon, and a bunch of rubble basically buries the uh, buries these uh, sheltered smithereens. So they're all stuck there, and Quinn, uh, realizing things are hopeless, he leads the children in the prayer, which is, of course, you know, keep one eye open to the sky and whatnot to try and comfort them. Then, then eventually they hear noises from outside, and they push the uh, boulders over, revealing Alex and Van Zan and... Van Zandt admits Quinn was right, which, of course, he could have found out that Quinn was right without, you know, leading the Alpha Dragon to the castle and destroying everything. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, they then leave there, the bunker yeah, to the ruined castle, and Quinn holds the rifle towards Van Zandt, which is a good thing. You think that, like, he has all the reason to kill him right now, considering what he did to, you know, his group of survivors, but then he decides to go with them to take down the uh, dragon, because he knows that what he learned from Van Zandt about their poor eyesight, um, that they, they could possibly take it down. And mm. Quinn makes Jared the official leader of the survivors, and the three of them fly their way to London in the helicopter, which, and one thing I do like that's interesting is they find it, they, when they get to London, they find like hundreds of thousands of dragonesses there. And you mm. think at first, like, oh God, how are they going to get through all of these? And then the alpha dragon arrives, and all of the dragonesses flee. And the alpha dragon actually goes so far as to devour them, which shows how, how desperate the dragons are as well, the dragonesses, because they have no other food source, basically. And all of the female dragons are now completely gone, which means, in one way, it's kind of a cop-out, because it's like, yeah, they probably had to get rid of all of them, because they couldn't take on you know so many of them at once. There's only three of them. But also, at the same time, it also makes it more intense knowing that they have to beat the Alpha Dragon, which is like the uh, strongest and allegedly smartest one of them all. Mm. And the three of them basically uh, uh, split up and bait the Alpha Dragon into attacking. They then end up uh, going to the same place where it all began, back into the uh, original tunnel where uh, Quinn first encountered the dragon. And it's here you kind of get like his uh, PTSD, where you see how just haunted he is by it when he's even down there. He remembers what happens with his mother and with the dragon peering at him, and he's just, like, so frightened in that. Van Zen uh, then mentions they can finally turn the tables on him, and their plan is they're going to try and fire crossbow bolts to get the Alpha Dragon basically to explode. Uh, the Alpha Dragon then uh, uses its uh, fire breath early, which detonates one of the bolts. And here's where we get one of the simultaneously silliest and most badass moments in, uh, in the film. Because Van Zandt, defiant to the end, tries to tackle uh, the Alpha Dragon with an axe. He's on like a ledge. He does like a slow run with the <laughs> axe. He jumps up and he's eaten by it almost instantly. Which yeah, it's, it's uh, honestly it's, it's like, like an anti-climax in a way, you know? Honestly, and, it's how uh, Van Zandt probably would have wanted to go out. 
leaping off a building and into the eyes. Yeah, of yeah, and the, the way it's done too with the slow mo only really makes it uh, a lot better. And one thing uh, that is interesting is when we get to see the dragon's vision, it's actually all distorted and warped because of the time of day it is. You know, it actually can't see well, and we get to see from its eyes basically how it looks. Uh, the alpha dragon then corners Quinn, who then fires the crossbow down his throat as it explodes, which of course kills the uh, alpha dragon. And it turns out that uh, Van Zam was right because the survivors around are all now uh, around a radio tower, and they're trying to get another group of uh, survivors in France who are contacting them. Uh, mm. It turns out that Jared is now the official leader of the survivors, and the dragonesses haven't been seen in three months, but it's revealed that there's others elsewhere in the world, so obviously what they're going to do is Quinn and Alex are going to go off and take care of them too. We finally, for the first time in the movie, get to see Quinn relatively optimistic about the future in that, and the movie ends with uh, Quinn and Alex walking off into the distance, and we're sure to probably have many more adventures, you know, finding the dragons and trying to uh, save humanity. Sadly, the movie was both a box office flop and a critical failure, meaning that sequels were completely unlikely. And despite that, I still enjoy this movie for what it is. It definitely yeah. is. You know, it's a very good movie. It's a very unique one, especially for, you know, if you're a fan of like, you know, dragonesses or just, you know, the scalies in general, I recommend it. Yes. And one thing that's interesting is this movie had a bit of a curious legacy and that the set of this movie, the London set, was a part of the uh, backlot tour of Disney Studios at uh, Disneyland Paris for a long time. I actually was there, and that's actually where I first learned about this movie, was from there. They showed, like, nice. a set of London, and I didn't see the movie for, like, years later until it was on TV, and I saw it, and I liked it. And, yeah, I still like it. It's, it's a good one. It Again, it's definitely a different kind of post-apocalyptic movie than uh, than you would expect, and it really does work out for the best in that case. So, yeah, now it is time yeah. for the uh, question of the week, which is, what is the most realistic depiction of uh, dragons that you have seen? And I'm going to go first, and my answer is going to be both probably obvious and not so obvious. It is uh, Smaug from The Hobbit, uh, specifically The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, the uh, Peter Jackson movie. I, I know on one hand, you know, oh, realistic, and then we have a talking dragon in that. But I feel like in terms of, number one, getting the nature of Smaug from the book. They got it down mm. absolutely perfectly. Like, like the way he acts, that bit of like smug satisfaction, the greed, the, the, the wickedness, just the sheer, you know, might of him, you know, with the way he talks with Bandit Cumberbatch doing a really phenomenal performance as it, especially considering he not only voiced Smaug, he did the motion capture as well, which is absolutely amazing. Yes, and number it's two awesome. is the, uh, yeah, is the animation on Smaug. I mean, just the fact that you can see like gold pieces slowly fall off his scales and that. You actually can see his chest move up and down and breathe. And like you can actually see how he reacts to things, how he instantly knows that Bilbo is lying about, you know, why he came there, why he wants the Arkenstone how he's tempted to give it to Bilbo just because he wants to see the satisfaction of Thorin going insane like his grandfather did, just mm. to, you know, basically twist the knife in deeper. And the basically part where he playing attacked, devil's advocate. I, I can get yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he just wants to twist the knife further, and he, he goes and attacks Lake Town despite the fact that they did nothing just to cause more pain and destruction, just mm. to, to, to put a point on it 
why he does the things he does. It's just because he can suffering because he can't exactly. Exactly. It's because he can. And even the part with like where he sees like the gold statue of like the uh, dwarf king. And he's briefly like almost hypnotized by its beauty is another one. And yeah, overall, I feel like, you know, Smaug is definitely the most realistic depiction of a dragon in film, especially uh, with live action. And I think it is a, it is a absolute shame that movie did not win best visual effects because it really is something else. So yeah. yeah. Uh, what's yours, uh, Angron? Okay. So before I actively say that, uh, I, I'm going to admit something a little embarrassing. So when I heard natural dragons, my brain immediately was like, uh, okay, what does that exactly mean? Then I hear you explain it a little more, talking about, like, ancient dragons, like, raw, destructive forces of nature, that sort of thing. And my mind did go to Godzilla a few times. I was tempted for that. But then I hear smog, and I'm like, ooh, that's a good thing. But if we're talking, like, natural, as in, like, raw, bestial dragons, like, forces of nature, like, wild animals, as it were. I'm sorry. You can't get any more bestial and more draconic than Monster Hunter. I mean, come on. You're basically facing real-life monsters that, at any moment, could come in and legit wreck your shit. And that's just Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, oh, man. There are so many dragons. Kovetaroth, frickin' Legiacris, like, so many dragons there that could easily get their own thing on the podcast, depending on whether or not they're female, but we'll get to that later. But, oh, man. But, yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna have to go Monster Hunter, because it's basically just the raw essence of what an animalistic, wild, natural dragon would be. Like, they're just there to survive and basically be the dominant food chain sort of thing, if not for humans. But yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to have to say friggin' Monster Hunter. Yeah, I definitely, definitely can see why, you know. But yeah, like I said, uh, what was your answer going to be, suppose, if it was like the uh, the first one, basically? Just out of curiosity. Uh, oh, oh. Well, oh, that's complicated. I would have said Smaug because you were, like, talking about it a little bit, but honestly, I wanted to go a step further. I didn't want them to actively be, like... I didn't want them to actively, like, go against, like, the natural order things, like, no speech and no freaking, like, odd cartoony sort of things, like, suspension of disbelief, if you were. But I also didn't want them to feel non-characterized, as it were. Like... For the most part, the monsters of uh, Monster Hunter ultimately have like a lot of character. Like the dra- uh, like the dragons of Monster Hunter do, in fact, have character. I mean, in fact, honestly, out of all the dragons in that series, it has to be Fatalis. He is the definite dragon boss. That one hundred percent is basically the most realistic depiction of a dragon, hands down. <laughs> And here's the interesting thing about Fatalis, actually. He basically takes a page out of the freaking out of the freaking Monster Hunter textbook, and all the armor, all the metal stuff that humans make, he kills them and takes the armor and adds it to himself. 
No joke. Ooh. Yeah, he is smart enough. He he basically has Jurassic Park raptor intelligence on that sort of thing, which is which blew my mind, honestly. Yeah. I have not, I repeat, not played a single Monster Hunter game. Period. But that right there, hooked. Anyway, that's my answer, Fatalis from hey, Monster no, no, Hunter. That's all good. Yep, that that's all good. So, uh, yeah, uh, Striker wrote. Uh, yeah, Striker, what would you have to say? I have not seen many um, uh, realistic, uh, realistic uh, depictions of uh, dragons before. Me neither. Um, I would have to say uh, Skyrim, actually. Oh. Who from Skyrim? Alduin? Uh, just the series in general uh, the entire game in general actually oh like, yeah i haven't really played much of skyrim but i do know that um the dragons in that game felt natural to me yeah i kind of did for the most part i mean save for parthenax and alduin everything felt pretty natural yeah that's that's pretty much uh all i have to say i just Hey, no, no, it's yeah. all good. It's all good. Yeah, it's all good. I, I, I know yeah, you no like uh, came in a little late, but, but it's okay. You're all, it's good. all good. It's all good. Yep. So, uh, yeah, math. What would you have to say? All right, I'm going to pull from Math's bag of obscure animated movies. Oh dear. Oh, okay. Has anyone ever seen? And if you have, you'll know why. Flight of Dragons. Yeah. I- that sounds so, familiar. Think, I've never Rankin Bass one. I think I've seen that. It's the Rankin I'm... Bass movie. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I know what you're yeah. talking oh, about, and I think I know who Wait. you mean. I yeah, think I know yeah. that one. The reason I'm uh, uh, using that one as my reference is because uh, they do this pretty interesting thing that you don't really see in movies. It's it is a medieval fantasy style um, uh, sword and sorcery movie hmm. that they have someone from the present 1980 for this purpose uh, and bring them back to that era and it is they are scientifically explaining or at least techno babble explaining everything so they mm. go into extreme detail about how dragons work Dang. and that is the most mm. realistic i've ever seen anybody try to science a dragon and it's done by the late great john ritter of all people so that just adds to it yeah that's awesome it's like it honestly sounds like jurassic park except medieval and magical but yeah yeah and it's also got james earl jones as a villain that cackles every five words so it's nice yeah this is easily rankin bass's like best or second best movie uh behind last unicorn it's mm. really good watch. oh god last unicorn <laughs> oh man that was that was one of my childhood movies hands down it was wild mm-hmm. heartbreaking real real good yep mm. but yeah i know about uh i know about uh the dragon movie i i, I keep forgetting the name I saw it years ago. Wow. I, I need to see that movie. Like, I enjoyed The Last Unicorn, so I might enjoy that movie since I'm a huge it is like, absolutely worth dragon a watch boy. For anyone that likes dragons and wants to see how they try and techno babble how dragons could have existed. 
Yeah, yeah it definitely sounds like it would. Uh, yeah, definitely. That is a great choice right there. Wow, that that is a really really good callback right there. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, oh, Jordan, what would you have to say? Is uh your favorite mine? Thing? Mine since you brought this was based on the Disneyland Disney in Paris, and I'm a Disney nerd. Oh, okay, I'm go gonna have to go for Maleficent because the way how she turned into a dragon oh, yeah. is just phenomenally done. Oh, but dang! Realistically, of how this movie is based off a dragon, like how they made him look real, I'm gonna have to say uh, Draco from Dragonheart. Ooh, oh, good one. That's interesting. I mean, I mean, I could have gone for Smog again, but I'm a classic girl. I like how in the Rankin Bass, The Hobbit, they made smog the way the dragons I like. Big, their wings are on their back, they're they're on four legs. That's what I like. And when I saw how they did it with the uh the other vert the new one for the Hobbit, I'm like I love your character, I love how you brought it out. But you look more like a wyvern than a dragon to me. But yeah, actually, like okay. Devil's advocate on out. yeah. Devil cat. Devil's advocate on that. Believe it or not, wyverns are the most biologically accurate dragons. Period. Like no joke. Yeah. I saw a video about this, and Smaug, hands down, is the most biologically accurate of dragons. Yes, definitely. And again, I still say how I love how they brought Smog and about like this. I love it and I love how the characteristic, but for me I prefer dragons that are on they're on four legs and their wings are on their backs. That oh, same here. Me Western dragon dragons for me. the win. Hell yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. And for Monster Hunters, same thing. I agree there is a black dragon that I have fought in the Monster Hunter game franchise, maybe lost a couple times, mm. but my favorite dragon would be the Rathalos. Hands down for that. Nice. Again, the realistic dragon for my appearance is Draco from Dragonheart. Oh, yeah. Fun fact, Rath- uh, yeah, Rathos is also a boss in Smash Bros, so more power oh, to that, yeah, too. Yeah, right, right. I forgot about that. He, he was a really good boss in that one, too. Mm. Oh, yeah, he I like, was a difficult one. boss. He was a little annoying yeah. to battle. Yeah, he but, was, yeah. but I feel like him and Dracula were my two favorite bosses, believe it or not. Mm. That they were. I do like how, again, they pull from stuff like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yep. So, uh, Lucky Evie, uh, what would you have to say? I'm not sure, honestly. Oh. Any idea, like, of uh, one that you nope. like a lot, or mm, maybe Eternatus? He's I, a. You you cannot tell me that thing looks realistic about at any point. It's a little skeleton. I mean, yeah. Dracula Lich, but. Fair enough, but okay. dragon. Perhaps Salamence? I guess. Yeah, I, I, Salamence definitely is the most realistic. Uh, think of the uh, dragon uh, Pokemon in general. Fair enough. Yeah, and also the Dragon Evolution does him a lot of favors for the most that part. That too, that too. Yeah. I guess, yeah. I guess if we're doing that, then by, then by proxy we'll also do Wooing Moon. Hey, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, honestly, Roaring Moon would be pretty cool. So I think Roaring Moon would work. Yep. So now it is time for the uh, patent pending uh, Dragonus scale. 
where we're going to rank uh, the dragons, uh, all of them except for the uh, alpha dragon, or maybe we will because, you know, again, we don't know if it is male, even though they say it is. So I think, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it off the dragoness ranking. So just the dragonesses that are not the main alpha one, which mm. kind of going to hurt the score a little bit. But mm. I'm still going to give them a, uh, a 7 out of 10. The reason I'm going to give them that is I like the design. I like the characteristics. I like the fact that they are just so physically imposing and just how they are just, again, engineers of death and destruction and, you know, fire. But I really do feel that, again, uh, kind of like what uh, math kind of gets at in some other episodes. I have to agree with him on this one, how they really feel more like an obstacle than they do characters. Now, granted, they are a very excellent one. They, they feel frightening. They feel realistic. The way that they have turned the world into a mm. complete, absolute wasteland is an excellent oh, yeah. one. But as a whole, I just feel like I, I wish, again, that they had uh, a little bit more screen time for them, although the ones we do get are excellent. And that we actually got to see some more dragonesses uh, in the final part instead of just the uh, male alpha dragon. But overall, I'm going to give them that score because it really, uh, again, they, they're they good. They're really, really good. But they just need someone to squeak over to a little higher score. You know what I'm saying? If they yeah, maybe had like, they had like the more of them, like, or if we learned how, how dragonous society, if they have a society, even works. Yeah, they needed more information, honestly. Exactly, exactly. Like, like, mm-hmm. how do they live? Like, where do they live? You know, and stuff like that. You know, how do they raise their young if they do that? You know, and mm. again, just a little world building like that would have been nice. But they still are very, very good. Uh, you know, mm. dragonesses in particular, especially with the design and again the intent for them. So that's why for me they get a seven out of ten. So Angron. I'm also going to say 7 out of 10. They're they're pretty imposing like you said. They're like the information that we're given about them is very impressive all things considered. Eating ash, like the fact that they were responsible for the world basically going kaput and basically just looking all ashen like. But yeah, I do have to admit they needed a little more they not not only needed more detail, they needed more time, honestly. Like I, I, I get what they were going for, and honestly, it works for what we got. But yeah, they definitely needed a lot more development if they ultimately needed to get a higher score. But as it stands, again, they're pretty cool, and I, for one, do in fact agree that uh, they're more of an obstacle, but they're a damn good obstacle. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That, that's exactly what I was getting at. And, um,. Yeah. I know Stryker, you said you haven't seen the movie, but um, what would you rank them, just out of curiosity? Uh, um, I don't know anything about it, unfortunately. Yeah. If you want, I'll just put it down as a, like a N slash A, if that's okay. But yeah, it's all good. Right. It's all good. Like I said, no, no, it's no yeah. problem. It's no problem. Yeah. Yeah, once um, you watch I'm the movie, the we'll. Movie, da- yeah. yeah, if you're able to watch the movie later and uh, give us later, a better score, we can always go back and we can add. Uh, awesome. we can change- yeah, that's what you yeah. do. You can always uh, go back and change the score to uh, whatever um, you yeah. would give them. That's okay. So, yeah, I didn't um, mean to see it, but... I just it's all good. It's all good. No, no, it's all good. It's all good. It's no problem. It's no problem at all. So, uh, Math? Uh, I'm giving them a five. Mm. I'm probably going to be the lowest okay. one this week because uh, I'm sorry. Uh, for as good as they look, and they look really amazing, for this being 2002... The CG is fantastic for it them. It kicks ass. Uh, the issue, well, 
small detail for me. I've never really been too terribly fond of dragons whose arms are the wings. I, I prefer the uh, Western dragon where they have wings on back and the four legs. That, that's same, but I do absolutely enjoy the same. But I do absolutely enjoy the wyverns. They're they're pretty underrated, all things considered. Oh yeah, I get that. These are probably the best uh, wyverns that have ever been shown in a movie. Don't get me wrong. That's mild. The, oh yeah, I guess technically he was sort of designed yeah. as a wyvern in that. Yeah. In a way, yeah, I guess you could. Uh, my biggest issue is basically what Lud said, and I'm going to keep beating this drum until it stops being a thing. They were a force of nature. They were not characters. There was no personality. There was no individuality. There was no substance that you could glean from these other than Big scary lizard breathe fire, and you know what? You know, raise the planet. <laughs> that too. <laughs> That's why yeah. I say force of nature because they they literally destroyed nature. But yeah, there's just nothing here. Yeah, I got you, man. I can definitely, I definitely can understand why. You know, again, there they really are. They're, they're really not characters in a way. Like, like I said earlier, you know. That even though they're they're really good, they're really impactful. Again, they really are not characters, and it's a shame because otherwise they look really good, you know. And again, like I said, they they are excellent in terms of in terms of how they end up uh, basically act, how they end up basically you know being an obstacle, you know how they cause the end of the world. But you're absolutely right in that there really is no substance to them, which it's kind of sad, you know. There was ways they could rectify that, but as it is, uh, it kind of worked out. I think, uh, yeah, I can definitely see where you're going with it. So, um, yeah. Jordan, what would you have to say? Hello. Uh, sure. I've seen it, but I mean, I saw pictures. I was looking through the alpha male pictures, and I do see. Wow, yeah, they are definitely in detailed of the designs, but. Mm. Uh, I am going to say uh, 10 rating. A what out of 10? Uh, you, you cut out oh, a little bit. Your connection was a little, yeah, there. Sorry about that. Uh, 6. Okay, 6, Skype. Mm. But I get, Any particular I, reason? Uh, the reason is, I again, I wish they had more, like, I guess, uh, interaction, or like how you all have all been agreeing that they would have done more with them like i don't know maybe if they found maybe a baby dragon that could have maybe changed the whole point Ooh, that would have been <laughs> very interesting That'd exactly be very interesting um, yeah maybe um i mean i was like how again the world's kind of fucked up that there are tons of dragons all over the world and they're like Wow, we are in deep crap here. That we, their entire race is now run by dragons. Yeah, there's hardly any food to feed these gigantic creatures. They're getting agile, and I love how they brought the characteristic of these bees. Like, yeah, they're feral. They're gonna eat you. They're bigger and stronger. I just love that. So I, yeah. I, I'm gonna change. I'm gonna make that to seven to ten. I'm gonna change that. Oh, nice, nice. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You know that actually. 
that actually brings up something that I almost forgot about. So there's this YouTube video that legit shows a realistic attempt at like people like being like start, like living under a dragon's rule. Like the dragon it, like comes to a land one day and like over several years, like centuries even, like humanity is ultimately like sacrificed to this dragon to appease him. And over time, humanity ultimately like develops countermeasures in secret against the dragon, eventually leading to a bomb that stops him. And that that right there, like that honestly is what reminds me of that. Oh no, definitely, definitely. I can definitely see where you're going from with that. Very I haven't seen that video, but I know what you're getting at with how realistically like people living under that kind of you know fear and that you definitely get that from this movie mm. so yep uh, the, that oh, sorry, uh, real quick uh, thing i forgot to mention my score would have been higher if we were including the alpha because how, he's the how, only what, one that actually had a personality what would it have been i'm just out of curiosity if we included the alpha seven mm. mine probably would have been gone up to maybe eight to be honest mine would have still been a seven either way yeah it's all good. Yeah, the Alpha was the one that kind of carried that as far as characters were concerned. Yeah, I definitely can see that. Yeah, it's, it's like that's the one that they put all the effort into, and especially with like the amount of detail compared to the other dragons. And I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. Mm. So, yep. Yeah, uh, if you have any questions or if you want to send us your fanfic of well, how you think Batman and King Leonidas would fight dragonesses. Or Stoic. Or is that too, that too? <laughs> you can email us at fieryDiscourse at outlook.com or visit us on twitter.com at twitter.com slash fieryDiscourse. Next time is going to be our Halloween special, and it's also going to be the 25th anniversary of the movie we're going to be discussing. Next week, we are going to be talking about the 1998 movie Godzilla with oh, Matthew yeah. Broderick, Jean Renault, and Hank Azaria. Yep, now with Bartok and Inspector Gadget. Yeah, that too. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to this. And until next week, uh, take care. Yep, later. Bye. Peace out. Adios. Peace.